0: Hello, this is Marissa Davis and
1: Dr. Brandon Park
0: and this is Neurodiversity University. Um, So today we were actually wanting to discuss
1: social emotional, emotional fluency. fluency.
0: So why don't you tell us what is social emotional fluency?
1: So um, when I was first trying to um, put together what I felt was really important for um, this population for students on the autism spectrum and other students who have social and emotional deficits <clears throat> I was really thinking about how there's a lot of research talking about social emotional learning and and As I kept looking at him like this is really a complex language that we're trying to teach them and I reflected back on my um, Spanish teacher and he was the most kind well intending guy And he was a horrible Spanish teacher. Um, Hopefully, he doesn't listen to this podcast (laughs) (laughs) because that'll make him feel sad. Anyways, um, nothing but love. Nothing nothing but love. love. Oh, kind guy, a wonderful guy. Anyways, um, he would teach us a group of words and phrases over a week or two weeks, and then we'd take a quiz on it. And then we'd do do the same thing again take a a group of words and phrases over a week, and then another two or, or two weeks, and then take a quiz on it and we kept doing that repeatedly and and yet we'd never really practice and get contextual understanding and information on how to improve at using this these words and becoming more fluent and becoming more able to use language and because of that, I can't speak Spanish to save my life. My, you know, one of my things I say is I'm, I'm lucky to order Spanish food when I go to a Mexican restaurant. Or Taco. Mexican food. Yeah. yeah. Burrito. Enchilada. Ooh. Ooh. I know. I'm feeling awesome. And when I look at a lot of great, well-intending programs, what I realize is everyone was doing the exact same method of teaching social and emotional learning that was the way that I was taught Spanish. You, you, you talk to a lot of these programs they have got a 47- to 52-week program with different social skill being taught each week. Mm. So they're being taught a social skill during one class at one time, and then the next week they're being taught a new skill, and they're never given a chance to actually practice it, contextualize like real it. Real-world application yeah. stuff, yeah. And when I thought about that, I like, oh, that's horrible. How do we change it? And I'm like, well, we want them to be fluent, just like you want to be fluent in Spanish. And so... Thus, I started coming up with the idea of social-emotional fluency. How do we help them become fluent? Just like a language. Because understanding your own emotions mm-hmm. as well as somebody else's emotions and picking up on those things and helping somebody out when they need it mm-hmm. um, is, is complex. And knowing how to not stick your foot in your mouth, <laughs> which I struggled with a lot when I was younger and I still once in a while do... Um, that that's a really difficult thing to learn for anybody and especially if you've got issues with rigidity if you've got issues with learning um, modeling learning how to understand what somebody else is doing and doing something similar if you've got all these struggles with reading some of these signs then it just seems baffling it'd be basically like getting dropped in the middle of Greece and asked to just find your way around without having any preparation for it and so a lot of these kids You know, all of a sudden they hit early adolescence and that's why they start having so many struggles is because it's just like someone dropped them in the middle of a country and they didn't know the language and they had to figure out how to ask to go to the bathroom and all all those kind of similar things because they've just been dropped in the middle of this huge social web and they don't know what to do with it.
0: Well, and I bet in the meantime, like people are seeing that they're in distress or that something's going on. And so we're bombarding them and asking what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong. But then they don't even have the emotional vocabulary to express really what's going on for themselves. And so I'm sure that that adds to a lot of dysregulation because they don't even know how to convey it to you or really express it to you as well.
1: Yeah. And I've seen a lot of families where that's what's going on and and a lot of kids a lot of the kids we work with the the student gets a a diagnosis a little bit later a lot of times when they hit adolescence Mm -hmm. and so the family's constantly saying hey what's going on what's going on and they're frustrated and it's driving a huge wedge in between them as they're trying to battle through these things um and so another thing that I found was really important so that's the kind of the, the conceptual idea of the social emotional fluency um to me, the importance of doing this is there's a few steps that are involved. Is the first step is increasing their their emotional language, so we have a whole bunch of, you know, mm-hmm. words and different you know mm-hmm. levels and degrees of the words, and then helping them to somatically connect it. So your emotional circuitry, uh, you know, we always for those that study the brain, we always talk about the amygdala. Actually, the emotional circuitry is your amygdala your cerebellum the little wrinkly raisiny thing below the main part of your brain so the cerebellum means baby brain and the upper part of your brain stem and it's a big u-shape mm. kind of circuit and that's that's your emotional circuitry so it's runs right in through your it's not only is it sitting on top of but actually runs through your brain stem so when you feel an emotion in your body Right. It's because it's hooked right to your brain stem, which goes into your peripheral nervous system, and that's why you feel emotions in different parts of your body. Interesting. And as we increase awareness of that somatic connection, we help these kids to understand their emotions better. Because a lot of times, you'll see them raging, and you'll ask them, why are you mad? And they don't even think that they're mad. Right. Because they're not connecting the dots.
0: That or you ask them what's wrong and all they can say is i'm mad <laughs> that's all they've got yeah. that's the only association that they have yeah interesting um. well one of the things that i love that we've done is here like at the house you know we've got these really fun unique posters kind of all over the place but they're, like, pictures that are actually assigned with the words. So it's it's a way for them to, like, visually see kind of, like, the mm-hmm. facial expression. We have monsters on this one. Really cool one. And so it's a bunch of different monsters, but a bunch of different words underneath it. And within that, like, they can kind of see the different monster and see the, the emotion that the monster's going through and then have the words underneath it. So it makes it kind of lighter, too. It's not yeah. a, as big of a, yeah. you know, a, a moment for them to, like, actually start learning those words, too. Yeah. Um... So how are you doing it? Like, what what are the steps of this? What's the process?
1: Wow, thank you for asking. (laughs) It's as if if you were setting me up for saying the right thing. No. Oh, so lucky to be in your presence. Um, Um, so. First, we increase their emotional vocabulary. Then we help them to create a somatic connection. Then there's a couple things going on, and one of them is related to um, oh, social thinking. Uh, Garcia Winters, uh, I forgot her name. I'm, I'm horrible with names. I got hit by a truck, and so I blame <laughs> my. <laughs> I am horrible with names. Like, I'm lucky to know my own name sometimes. Anyways, oh, Michelle Garcia Winters. Yes, that's, that's who it, it is. is. Yeah. Michelle yeah. Garcia Winters has this great social thinking model. Helping them to start being aware of how other people are thinking about them is a really important piece of this. Helping them to understand friendship boundaries. Um, there's kind of this friendship pyramid. We actually, for ourselves, created kind of this inclusive circle pattern and made it a little bit more simple. And that's actually worked really well with our students. But, you know, when you meet somebody, that then they're an acquaintance not a best friend mm-hmm. um, my my five-year-old struggles with knowing the difference between an yeah. acquaintance and a best friend sometimes our students do as well you know they'll meet somebody and after a day they're like oh they're my best friend
0: they smiled at me yeah, they, yeah.
1: i'm gonna hug them now right. or i'm gonna like give them constant high fives and follow them you know two steps away <laughs> and, it, and it doesn't work well for them so helping them to get that social thinking down helping them to understand relationships and boundaries and how you develop relationships really helps them to, to kind of set them up for learning social skills makes sense and then the next big epiphany for me was i was working with a student who was a furry mm. which if you don't know what that is <laughs> and be careful when you look that up when you look up furries sometimes you get like <laughs> some deep dark deviated stuff that some people get into but the majority of people who are furries which is basically wearing like a, a mascot costume they do it because they find it fun and engaging. And I, and I worked with a student and he had that very s- stone-faced, flat-faced, um, uh, you know, expression. So in other words, you don't see any emotion on his face. He almost looks like he's angry all the time. And w- when I asked him, why are you a furry? He said, well, it's because when I wear my costume, people actually smile at me and they laugh and they're excited to see me. Otherwise, people always look at me weird and they wanted to get away from me.
0: So he figured out a way to get the reaction out Mm -hmm. of people that he was searching for.
1: And I realized that the very first thing we need to do is teach them how to have some good initial social interactions and relations. And I started looking at all the different research out there on using mirrors and videotaping and stuff like that. And so at our facility, we've got a whole bunch of full length mirrors so these kids can stand in front and see their whole bodies. And then we can have them look in the mirror and see what their expression is like. And so one of our kids, will call him Bob. <laughs> or Bubba. How about Bubba? Bubba. Bubba. <laughs> Bubba seems like Bubba. it Hey, Bubba. Um, Bubba, <laughs> you know, had an obvious, very kind of like... Not happy look. The I think there's an RBF is some sort of no. terminology. <laughs> we won't go into what that means. You can you can Google that. Um, <laughs> and you know he just looked not very happy. And so I sat in front of the mirror with him, and we practiced. Does this look like an approachable face? Is this what you want to do? And he started realizing how much he came across as someone that you wouldn't want to talk to. And actually, um, another I did not do the same thing with, and I did pictures on my on my camera with mm. um, our very intelligent student. We'll call him Bo Diddley <laughs> <laughs> Bubba and Bo Diddley. All right, <laughs> okay. Um, and and then they all to see what their face looks like and understand how that makes them not approachable so giving them that immediate feedback having them practice a skill in front of a mirror is the first step and then what we want to do is then to have them start practicing in partners where they're giving each other feedback then go out in the community and practice it and then they're considered fluent when they come back and actually teach the skill they've learned to either their peers or their coaches that's the whole process of social emotional fluency We help them with their language, we help them with understanding relationships and and social thinking, understanding how other people think of them, and then start using skill development that builds into that, where they're practicing it and contextualizing it and using it out in the community until it actually becomes something they're fluent at.
0: So one of the cool things that happened to me recently, I, I know you've been doing this work with a lot of the boys recently. and there there's someone that I know that was you know met several of the different boys and the feedback that I got was how cool it was and how respectful that they were actually were. Like when introduced, they all came up and shook his hand and they had softer expressions and like they were actually going out of their way to like be more approachable. And like, I was so proud of them in that moment and how hard they were trying and you could tell it was a little uncomfortable, but like they were actually going and practicing and doing it. And the feedback that I got was that how kind and how well mannered they were that, you know, they were really impressed impressed with what they had actually seen in that moment. It was it was really a neat neat moment for me.
1: And one so. one of the boys even told you that the Seahawks are okay, I think, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So she had teased a lot about having blue hair. So we might have mentioned that in our last episode. Yeah. But um let's see how many minutes... oh. Um what, what? One of the
0: things that I think that's really cool about it is because we're really teaching these boys to self-advocate as well by giving this vocabulary. Yeah. When they are overwhelmed and, you know, in, you know, the community, if they're having a moment and they need to, you know, step away or, you know, they, they, they can actually express the emotions that are going in so that they can kind of flee to their place to, to kind of you know recover and deescalate or whatever it is that they need. But it's really teaching them to stand up for themselves and to have the proper vocabulary for the emotions that are going on so that they can ask for what they need a little bit easier. I've noticed that a lot and I think it's helping.
1: Has it worked with Trexy?
0: <laughs> Trexy is still struggling. You know, the whole verbal thing is, is, is hard. <laughs> For those that, you know, listen to the other podcast, yes, I like T Rexes and I do have an inflatable costume and she has now been named Trexy. (laughs) And she does not do so well with this because, you know, the vocalizing of of the words. she can't really change her expression. expression It's always just one single expression. Yeah. But it's okay. We're working on it.
1: (laughs) Thank you for listening to Neurodiversity University with Dr. Brandon Park. And please share us, follow us, like us, and review us on all your social media platforms. And just so you know, this was brought to you by New Focus Academy. Thank you again. Bye.